Welcome to episode 276 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker and author of What Win Wine. Lose weight and feel great with paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and author of Intermittent Fasting Transformation, the 45-day program for women to lose stubborn weight, improve hormonal health, and slow aging. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and cynthiathurlow.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. So, pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. 
unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 276 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I am not just here with my fabulous co-host, Cynthia Thurlow. We are here with a very special guest on the show. This is a repeat guest. He has appeared on one episode before, which we will put a link to in the show notes, but we are back 
with Scott Emmons, who has quickly become one of my favorite human beings on the planet. Scott is the Chief Operating Officer at MD Logic, which is actually the fantastic supplement company that I partnered with to co-brand my supplement Avalon X line. So we launched our Serapeptase back in November of 2021. And then very recently in July of 2022, we released my magnesium supplement. And things are also potentially in the works with Cynthia and Scott. So stay tuned for developments there. But the purpose of today's show, we released my Avalon X Magnesium 8, like I said, very recently in July. And the response has been really, really amazing. And we've also received so many listener questions about magnesium. And there's a reason that magnesium was my second supplement because it is so, so important. And I already knew that I wanted to make magnesium as a supplement, but then diving really deep into the clinical literature oh my goodness, why are people not talking about magnesium more? And it's funny, I was doing even some more research last night and was reading this really fabulous review, pretty recent on magnesium. And it basically starts out by saying that magnesium is, and I'm obviously using very casual terminology and it was much more eloquent, but it says that magnesium is so, so important and just very understudied and that there needs to be more awareness surrounding this. So the purpose of today's episode is to bring us all together. We got a lot of listener questions. We're going to dive deep into all of that. So Cynthia and Scott, thank you both for being here. Absolutely. And I have to just echo what you just said, working in clinical cardiology for 16 years as an NP and prior to that as an ear nurse, magnesium is woefully underrepresented and appreciated. I 100% agree. Did you want to make a magnesium, Scott? Like, was that on your radar? That is on my radar. So there are so many different forms of magnesium. And first, I would like to say, although it is my second time on the show, it's my very first time since Cynthia joined the show. So this will be my very first Cynthia and Mel show. So I'm thrilled to be here. But I had thought about making multiple different kinds of magnesiums because there's some that forms that are really great for sleep, some forms that are great for anxiety, other forms that are really derived for athletic performance, especially if you blended it with some other core ions and electrolytes like potassium and perhaps some sodium chloride. So there's a whole, I think, magnesium world waiting out there for us. And after doing the research on magnesium for the last several months that we've done, I really feel like there's no limit to the amount that we can continue to study it. And the various different forms and the ways to take it. Yeah, actually speaking to what both of you guys just said about how there's so much to learn and how it's underappreciated, we actually got questions about that. So Kenna, for example, said, why doesn't standard lab work, a complete metabolic profile, cover magnesium levels? And Damon asked, should we get lab tested for it? What's so interesting is one of those articles that I was reading was talking about this very issue, and we'll dive into everything that it's involved in, but it's so important and it affects so many things and it's connected to so many health issues. But unfortunately, there's not a clinical marker that's really easy to look at to see if magnesium deficiency is the problem. So like, for example, with anemia and iron, that's something that is very easy to measure and evaluate with calcium and like osteoporosis, again, something very easy to evaluate. 
Magnesium kind of flows under the radar. And a major reason for that is that it's very tightly controlled in the bloodstream. So the majority of the magnesium in our body is actually in our cells and our muscles and our bones. Less than 1% is in our bloodstream. And then our body is very good at regulating that. So even if it is on a standard lab test, you could be severely magnesium deficient and it's probably not going to show up. So the stats on deficiency are pretty intense. Like a large percentage of people are likely deficient. And again, it's hard to evaluate. So even if it was on a lab work, it might be hard to see. Well, I think this is an important time to kind of interject that there is a good blood test for magnesium, but typically most clinicians order a regular magnesium level, which is drawn from the blood. And as you very appropriately mentioned, very little of magnesium is actually in our our serum, our blood. But a red blood cell magnesium level is looking at intracellular magnesium. And this is what we used exclusively in cardiology. And we would, you know, sometimes get frustrated when we were rounding on patients because we would say to the nurse, okay, we need an, R- an RBC mag. And inevitably what would get ordered was a regular magnesium. And I used to say, well, this isn't really helpful because we really don't have a good sense of what their magnesium is with that traditional lab. So people that are listening to this podcast that maybe have never heard that term, red blood cell magnesium or an RBC mag, it is covered by insurance. It is inexpensive. Every single one of us should be drawing RBC mags at least once or twice a year Because more often than not, it it sends you down a rabbit hole. Like as an example, I know Melanie's had Rob Wolf on to talk about electrolytes on her podcast as well as my own. And I tell people that not enough clinicians even think about magnesium. They worry about sodium, which is on a complete metabolic panel. They worry about potassium that's also on a complete metabolic panel. But you have to add the extra test. And I think for a lot of clinicians unless they're in ER medicine or cardiology, they're very likely not ordering these tests because they're just not thinking about it. I'm so glad you brought that up. And that's actually one reason I really like Inside Tracker because they test RBC magnesium. Interestingly, I found a study last night that was looking at this and it was encouraging because red blood cell magnesium was more telling, I guess, than normal magnesium levels, which from reading that, I was like, oh, you really can't tell anything from normal magnesium levels. I still don't know that it's ideal. Like it still might not reveal deficiencies like there may be, but it's definitely much better than normal magnesium levels. And like urine, for example, which apparently is like all over the place. The thing they said was most promising was isotope testing, but that seemed more intense. And have you heard of that before, Cynthia, the isotope? I have, but it's not something I've used. And I I think when You know, I I worked in electrophysiology, which is a subsect of cardiology. And and these are the physicians that are very, very cerebral and they are dealing with arrhythmias and pacemakers and defibrillators. And I learned so much working with them and with arrhythmia patients in particular. And they're feeling at that time, and, and obviously there's always new and emerging testing that comes out but that an RBC mag was what we usually used to guide recommendations. But I'm sure there will be emerging testing that will come out that will be even easier, hopefully covered by insurance. Because I think for a lot of people, that is an issue when their testing is not covered by insurance. We definitely want to make sure that the testing that's being used is something that the average person can get as opposed to, you know, the, the biohacking, just the biohacking community. Maybe that's a good place to start with the whole magnesium. So, Definitely got questions about that. Laurie wanted to know the benefits of magnesium. Leah wanted to know 
what are each of them good for? There are so many different strains to magnesium. I don't know what they all do in the body. So I guess any of us can take this. Scott, do you want to talk about the benefits of magnesium? Well, they are plentiful, but really, if you start off with looking at magnesium, it's critical, you know, what it's critically going to do for the body. It's going to be used in the brain for all types of neurotransmitters. It's going to be used in the muscles to both contract and relax your muscles. It's going to be used in the brain to relax the body and the brain. It's used in, they they used to say 300 different enzymatic reactions, but in reality, there's data now to support between 600 and 800 different enzymatic reactions. So it's really, it's pretty much involved in everything, but at the heart of it, it's your energy production, it's your metabolic health, it's your DNA. I mean, it is the second most abundant cation or electrolyte in your body. So really important for that. And it also helps transport other essential minerals in the body. There is a balance. And I know that's one of the questions. There's a very nuanced balance between zinc, magnesium, manganese, copper, et cetera. But the, the list is many and plentiful. But in terms of the benefits that I see, things like sleep, relaxation, reduction in stress, had friends who have you know, had chronic migraines or headaches their whole lives. That's really helped them out tremendously. For me personally, it's been really great for muscle cramps. I play a lot of tennis outside in the heat and afterward just get really bad muscle cramps. And since I started taking mag-8, magnesium-8, no cramps, which, and, and I have been an electrolyte fiend, sodium, potassium, magnesium, zinc. I've been taking this now for, I think, five days and no cramps. That's my big win. What's actually really interesting is that same study that was talking about all the different testing methods. They basically concluded because of the potential issues with testing methods that it might be more beneficial to go off of a categorical list of major and minor symptoms. And if you had a certain combination of these symptoms, that that might indicate magnesium deficiency. And it's, you know, so many things that you just discussed. And even before jumping on, Cynthia, you were talking about the role of magnesium that you've had in your patients? Like, have you found it benefits a lot of your patients? Oh, absolutely. I, I think for a lot of women, I, I do find magnesium supplementation is helpful, not just for the electrolytes, but also for sleep. And there's definitely formulations of magnesium that are helpful for people who struggle with constipation. But one of the things I've just found is that it's so multi-useful that more often than not, I haven't found a patient yet who hasn't needed it. Let's just be totally honest for a variety of reasons. But yes, I do find a lot of clinical utility in utilizing magnesium. And, and it's something that I take every single day without question. So Wendy wanted to know, how do we know if we have a deficiency? What causes a deficiency? I heard caffeine is one, but are there other things? Dory wanted to know, do our magnesium needs change with age and or lifestyle? Do menopausal women need more or less magnesium? If you're very active and athletic, does your body require more magnesium? Before diving into those specifics. So it's really interesting because, so I say this a lot, but I am a huge proponent of getting our nutrients from food. Like, so in my ideal world, in my ideal world, we wouldn't even have supplements. We would just eat food and like life would be great. But unfortunately, our modern farming practices have severely affected the nutrients of our soils and the food that we're eating. And so, for example, this was fascinating. I didn't know this. It's estimated that in the last 100 years, 
there's been up to a 90% decrease in magnesium in the soil, which is just shocking. There's a lot of reasons for that. It's the conventional farming methods. So pesticides actually chelate and bind to magnesium so they can make it not absorbable. We've been genetically modifying our food to make it so that we can have high yield and a lot of it, but it's much less nutrient quality. Actually, just complete tangent. If you want to learn more about the nutrition in food, check out my interview with Farmer Lee Jones. Did you interview him, Cynthia? Not yet, but I interviewed Jeffrey Smith and he spoke at length about glyphosate and how it chelates our minerals. It was both disturbing and fascinating to learn all of that. And I I think the other thing that I would just add to that is even if you're eating all organic fruits and vegetables, the soil is so depleted of magnesium that it's unlike the type of soil that my grandparents had. So that's another, there's one of many reasons why, you know, deficiencies are becoming more common is that even if you're eating a, you know, what I would refer to as a kind of pure, as pure as possible, as clean as possible, you're still probably not getting enough minerals in your diet from your food intake, unfortunately. Well, what's really alarming is I had enough concerns about glyphosate but to know that it's chelating and, and binding to our minerals, making it harder for our bodies to absorb when the soil is already so depleted as it is, is rather alarming. And then just to add on to that, there's some very common medications that are used both prescription and over-the-counter. Proton pump inhibitors probably being the most egregious of them. When you take a proton pump inhibitor, it's been demonstrated through multiple studies that your minerals, calcium, zinc, magnesium, all of your minerals really kind of reduce. And it's likely, I don't know if this is, Cynthia, maybe you know the exact mechanism, but it's likely due to the reduction in acid. So you're not able to really digest your minerals properly in your food. But those proton pump inhibitors can really have an impact on your magnesium level. I'll just comment really quick because I looked that up. Yeah, it was the pH, like the pH has to be a certain pH to absorb the minerals properly and the magnesium specifically. So magnesium absorbs better in a lower pH environment. So that's probably what's going on there with the proton pump inhibitors. Yeah, that would make makes a lot of sense. And then alcohol is another big one. I mean, people that drink, you know, the three or four drinks a day, they think that's normal. That's really a lot of alcohol. That's going to deplete your magnesium as well. And finally, if your minerals are out of balance, you're taking too much zinc or too much copper, that's going to throw off your uh, magnesium. So you, you really want to make sure that your ratio of minerals is, is in line as well. I think it's it's also a good point to mention that we know we make less hydrochloric acid in our stomach as we get older. So our pH tends to not be within an ideal range, which can make us susceptible to opportunistic infections. I always think about certain medications, you know, the, the PPIs are a big one, but I also think about diuretics. So if you're taking a thiazide diuretic, if you're taking Lasix or any of the loop diuretics, you will be losing not just magnesium, but also potassium and also sodium. And it's just this kind of domino effect. It becomes cumulative over time. You know, one of the things that I used to see, obviously, if you're drinking alcohol excessively, but alcoholics in particular, people that drink excessively are really at risk. And that can put you at risk for certain types of heart arrhythmias, which you don't you don't want to end up in the ER with these particular kind of lethal arrhythmias that are related to chronic low magnesium levels. In fact, we would frontline, if if someone was a proponent or had identified this as an alcoholic patient, you would give them magnesium 
along with everything else you were doing to help correct that imbalance because there are specific arrhythmias we will see with alcoholics. I also think about just the cumulative stress. I think everyone over the past two years has really been under way more stress than probably the preceding 10 years. And so stress can also be incredibly impactful. And so finding healthy ways to manage and mitigate stress can also be beneficial to maintaining healthy magnesium levels. This is actually a pretty interesting study. So when we formulated, and we'll talk more about the formulation later, but when we formulated my Avalon X Magnesium 8, we included methylated B6 as a cofactor to help with absorption. And there's actually a really fascinating study on it. So there are some studies just showing that adding the well, they don't necessarily, I don't know if it was methylated, but there were studies showing that adding B6 to magnesium increased absorption. But there was a really fascinating study where they looked at people who had certain levels of stress and taking either magnesium alone or magnesium with the B6. And all of it raised the people's magnesium levels and had a beneficial effect. So in the people who were severely stressed, so with even lower magnesium, adding the B6 actually provided a 24% greater reduction in their stress levels than the magnesium alone. So I know that's talking about the cofactor, but it just speaks to me that how much stress affects our magnesium levels. So they could you know, see actually a, a huge difference in adding the stress and the participants' stress levels. So yeah, there's so many factors. And then like, so for those questions specifically, that's fascinating, by the way, about the alcohol on the flip side, you know, Wendy asking about the caffeine. So caffeine working as a diuretic is going to deplete magnesium. But what's really interesting is that one of the highest foods or food slash drinks in magnesium is actually coffee. So there might be a slight offset if you're getting magnesium from the coffee with a diuretic effect, but still the net effect is likely going to be a, a depletion. With my super busy schedule and how I'm always on the go, I don't have a ton of time to do the things I want to do, like reading, and that's why I love Audible. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mysteries and thrillers, motivation, wellness, business, and more. Recent favorite is Jennifer Wirth's Call the Midwife. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. All Audible members get access to a growing selection of audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts that are included with membership. You can listen to all you want and more get added every month. My personal favorite way to enjoy Audible is while driving in my car and also while at the gym. Let Audible help you discover new ways to laugh, be inspired, or be entertained. New members can try it for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash ifpodcast or text ifpodcast to 500-500. That's audible.com slash ifpodcast or text ifpodcast to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash IF podcast. Cynthia, what have you found for Dory's question about menopausal women? Although you did just speak about when people age, how their HCL levels are affected, but like hormonally with menopausal women, do you find that they might require more magnesium? Yeah, they're less stress resilient. We know as, as our ovaries are producing less and less progesterone that our adrenal glands have to kind of pick up the slack with progesterone. So I do find that this is a time when 
many women, there's a much more narrow window in terms of, you know, where their magnesium needs are. They're also much more easily, they become dehydrated. So, you know, they may not realize they're dehydrated until they get really thirsty. And both of us have interviewed Dr. Rick Johnson. And we know that's a really not a good thing to be clinically dehydrated. So I've just oftentimes really, really, really emphasized why it's important to take oral as well as transdermal magnesium, especially at this time period. So yes, middle-aged women, if you're 35 and up, probably need to be much more diligent about supplementation you can probably get away with a little less when you're younger, but I definitely find that stress resiliency becomes a huge issue. And so we just really have to be much more proactive about magnesium repletion. Agreed. Now, Melanie, I just want to circle back because I don't want to, I don't want to jump over the B6. So the fact that, that the B6 that we have is the methylated form of B6, which is otherwise known as P5P, there are some studies that actually show that there is a potential higher risk of a non-activated form of B6 actually displacing the activated form of B6 and thus high regular non-activated B6 can actually cause the same symptoms as a B6 deficiency because it's pushing out the activated form. It's competing for that same receptor site. So it's a big difference to have that activated B6. I just wanted to point that out. I think it makes a big difference, I should say. Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out because I know a lot of our listeners take Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough, which so many people have benefited from that. And I'm so grateful to them. And I wanted to take what I really liked about that supplement and make it even better. Because So like when I make my own versions of supplements, I basically want to make the very best version possible. So looking at their formula, it had the non-methylated form of B6 like Scott just talked about. So we definitely wanted to make that switch. So I'm really glad that you pointed that out. The other one that is a change is they have a non-chelated form of manganese, which it's not a cofactor in magnesium absorption. Actually, Scott, do you want to talk about manganese? Because you and I have had a lot of conversations. Yeah, sure. So I learned a lot about, about manganese this, this last couple of months. Manganese in and of itself is a cofactor for so many things. And it's a very important nutrient, particularly in wound healing and collagen formation. In fact, it's absolutely essential. You cannot make proper collagen folds and, and proper elastin of collagen in your body without manganese. But it, to your point, Melanie, it does not increase the absorption of magnesium. However, high doses of magnesium can reduce manganese slightly. So for two reasons, you want to have that manganese in there. One, it's so such a critical enzyme or a mineral for so many enzymatic factors, just like magnesium is. But two, whatever minor displacement of that manganese you might get, you're, you're receiving from the chelated version of manganese that we have in magnesium-8. So that's the reason for that being there. And again, so with bioptimizers, it was not a chelated form. So we we made a chelated form. And for listeners who are not familiar with chelated, it's basically creating a form of the minerals, which is going to be more easily absorbed, which we can talk about when we talk about the, the magnesium types. I will talk about the actual foods that are higher in magnesium. Actually, Scott and Cynthia, I was looking at charts of magnesium in food. Do you guys know what is probably the food with the highest amount of magnesium per weight? Well, I'm thinking either like a leafy vegetable or a seed. It's something that Cynthia loves. 
I love guessing games. Macadamia nuts? Ask me what is the two foods I don't like. <laughs> what are the two foods you don't like? Olives and oranges. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. I'm like obsessed. I am that crazy olive person. I My kids know not to touch my olives. Like I have super crazy expensive olives, but it's like one of my little, like no one touches my olive stash. Can I ask you both a question? Did you both, or did either of you have the moment... I don't care how old you were, but was there a moment where you realized that the pimento was like not part of the actual plant or was this just me? No, no. I think I always knew that because I used to pick them out. Scott, did you have this moment? I I, I didn't really have a moment, but I mean, I know it. I just don't recall having a moment about it. I always thought, because you know, when you're growing up, you see the pictures of the olives with a little pimento. I always thought the pimento was like, you know, like the interior of the olive. And I had a mind blown moment when I found out they put that in there and it's not. I'm going to go out on a limb on on the olive issue and say this, that you either love olives or you hate them. I have never found someone that says, oh, I really like olives. No, no. They either love olives or they hate them. That's it. Conduit to salt. That's how I learned how to drink martinis in my 20s was that I realized it's just a conduit to salt. So I have a I used to drink dirty martinis with extra olives and I was the happiest person you've ever seen. I did a dirty martini with blue cheese olives. Oh no, I don't like blue cheese, but uh, the olives, yes. I like none of it. I had an allergy panel test and I felt so vindicated because I'm basically allergic. Like trees are great. Like no allergies, olive trees though. I'm allergic. I was like, oh, see, my body knows. That's interesting. No, I'm, I'm an, like, there's not a lot of things that I get obsessive about and olives are one and probably a close second. And macadamia nuts are another. Yeah. It's again, and they have to be salty. Like if don't give me an unsalted sac- macadamia nut, it is another thing that my family thinks I'm crazy about. I'm like, it's just, they make me happy. Makes me, it's so simple. So the answer was not olives. <laughs> um, what, what else? Cynthia? I went with with macadamia nuts. That's what I thought it was. For magnesium? Yeah. Pumpkin seeds, green leafy veggies. Avocado maybe? Well, so to address the nuts. Dark chocolate. Doesn't dark chocolate? So the nut that's the highest is cashews. But yes, cacao or cocoa, I get them confused. One of them is like leaps beyond all the other foods. It's like that. And then it's like, it drops massively for the thing below it. See, this is why I eat high quality dark chocolate and I have raw cacao in my smoothies. I'm wondering if a reason sometimes people crave chocolate might be. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's why people crave it premenstrually. The magnesium. So in any case, that tangent, what's really interesting though, is all of the different studies that I looked at talking about the role of magnesium in foods, like it would list these charts multiple times. So they would say, that you really just can't get enough from food. So that is an unfortunate situation. We got some questions about how do you know if it's quote working? And I love this question because, so my first supplement, serapeptase, one of the things I love about that supplement, which for listeners who are not familiar, it's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm and you take it in the fasted state and it breaks down problematic proteins in your body. So true, it can help things that you don't quote notice like 
reduce cholesterol or break down amyloid plaque or reduce inflammatory markers, but it also can have a very noticeable immediate effect in clearing brain fog and reducing allergies. Like you will go from needing allergy meds to just having completely clear sinuses. So people really notice it, or it'll make like cysts disappear and, you know, external things go away. Magnesium can be a little bit more vague because it can affect so many things. So Eleanor said, for example, how do you know it's working? She also wants to know how much should she take? And she has questions about that. So we can go into that. Sunny says, how do you know it's working? Most quote supplements I take, I always say I can't tell the difference. Although she says even serpeptase, (laughs) which contradicts what I just said. But she says, if you're a reasonably healthy person with no issues per se, she says, Basically, how do you know it's working if you're a reasonably healthy person with no issues per se, but you just trust that it's working? So how will people know if it's working? So would you like my personal experiences for magnesium or are we looking on sort of the data here? We were talking after releasing our version and you noticed something very specific right away. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah. So the two things I noticed right away were just sort of general energy level and feeling. So I work out a lot. I'm an ex bodybuilder, which by the way, I I never recommend to anyone. It's the most unhealthy sport on earth when you're doing it because of all the things you have to, to get there. But it does teach you how to get your body to do things that it shouldn't be able to do. It teaches you all kinds of ways to micro, you know, make sure that all your micronutrients are in alignment. So you really get in tune with your body. So I was working out with my son. He's 22 years old. We went to the gym. I'm trying to teach him how to like lift weights in the, with the proper form so he doesn't blow out his shoulder at 22. And I just felt so much stronger. Like I felt like my pump from the workout was better because my muscles just seemed fuller. My energy was better. But most importantly, I mentioned already the cramps. But then on top of that, also like my brain settles down at night. I sleep really well. Anxiety seems to kind of abate a little bit. So for me, anxiety slash sleep, because I have a terrible time going to sleep, especially if I have to catch like an early flight in the morning, then I'm just up all night worrying about like the alarm going off. But for so for sleep, for cramps, and just general overall energy and sort of feeling energetic in the gym, those were things I directly noticed within just a you know five days. And I had been taking magnesium taurate and threonate for the brain for many years prior to this. So the combination for me has really worked wonders. Cynthia, do you have any experience? You know, I think that, you know, in my personal experience, there were specific forms of of magnesium that I would recommend. And so what I typically would see if someone was dealing with palpitations, if we knew they had a benign arrhythmia, you know, we, we had specific types of formulations of magnesium we would recommend. If someone was dealing with constipation, we had another one. If someone was dealing with sleep issues, we had another formulation of magnesium that we would use. So I think it was a combination of just symptoms along with, you know, finding like a targeted magnesium formulation that would be helpful. Let me just back this up and say that the medical community as a whole uses magnesium oxide in most clinical like hospital situations. And the absorption of magnesium oxide is about 11%. So if anyone's solely taking magnesium oxide or mag oxide, as we used to call it, it's like throwing your money in the toilet. So you, you definitely want like Melanie's product and 
specific types of formulations that are designed to be absorbable so that you actually get a net benefit from the supplement and not just literally urinating it out in the toilet, which is what magnesium oxide just by itself will do. It's very, very little. 11% is what you absorb in your body. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I guess we can address this now because people were running to know, like, is it better to do a complex or individual magnesiums? I have a comment on the oxide, but what's really interesting is there are so many forms of magnesiums. And basically the way these different magnesiums often are formed is they're the magnesium mineral basically combined with something else (laughs) that will turn it into the form that it's in. So for example, like magnesium with glycine becomes magnesium glycinate or magnesium taurate, for example, would be magnesium with taurine. But to comment on the oxide, so yes, that's a thing well known that it's not very well absorbed. It's a reason that people often will get a form of magnesium oxide just by itself to serve as a laxative because basically when it's not absorbed like that, it just draws in water into the colon and can help with peristalsis and movement down there. So I actually, I want to develop down the road a magnesium that will specifically be for this purpose for bowel movements. But we had a question about this on Instagram as well. The highest magnesium in the Avalon X magnesium 8 is actually magnesium oxide but, and I very rarely use the word but, or I try not to. So it's magnesium sucrosmeal magnesium oxide. And I could talk about it or Scott, would you like to talk about it? I'll I'll do a brief intro and then Mel, I think, you know, feel free to, you know, continue on. So yeah, the reason that that, that that magnesium was chosen as the, the kind of the number one ingredient and which would thus be the largest level of magnesium is that there is a study showing that the sucromal magnesium, which is basically coated in some fatty esters, does two things. One, it prevents other nutrients and food in the body from preventing the magnesium from getting digested and absorbed properly. And two, it's been demonstrated to increase red blood cell magnesium, which I think is the gold standard test Cynthia had talked about earlier, substantially more than the gold standard of glycinate and citrate. So this specific form of magnesium, sucromal magnesium, really gets into the cells as highly bioavailable. And then also because of the way it's surrounded these fatty esters does not create the typical side effects you'd expect from magnesium oxide. So That is why that is the number one magnesium. It's going to give you that highest red blood cell increase in magnesium. Yeah, so they had a 2018 comparison study on it, and they found it had the highest absorption of all the magnesiums tested. I definitely wanted to clarify that because we got a good question on Instagram saying what Cynthia had said, why is the number one magnesium in yours oxide when that's not well absorbed? And so that is why. I guess since we're talking about it now, we can talk a little bit about the other forms as well. And this was very interesting to me because like I said, there are so many forms of magnesium and I don't know that this is happening, but I I wonder if this is happening a little bit where people will say this type of magnesium is good for this health benefit. And this type of magnesium is good for this health benefit. And I do think that is the case. Although when you look up these magnesiums individually in the clinical literature, there will be a handful of studies for each type looking at a very specific issue. So it's hard for me to discern 
are we just ascribing certain benefits to certain magnesiums because that was the one benefit that was tested for that type of magnesium, if that makes sense. So that's a reason that I wanted to have multiple forms just to assure that you're getting magnesium in all these different forms to help with all of these different benefits and kind of like the kitchen sink approach um, rather than just putting all of your eggs in one basket. For example, like looking at magnesium orotate, which is one that we have in Avalon X Magnesium 8, there's a really, really fascinating study that looked at its effect on gut health specifically and found really amazing benefits and how it modulates the microbiome gut access. So it affects the microbiome beneficially and from there affects neurotransmitters and inflammatory signals and helps with motility and the gut wall and even DNA synthesis. It's hard for me to know, like, is that just because they did that study on the gut health with magnesium orotate. Like what would have happened if they had done a different type of magnesium? So that's something I'm sort of on the fence about, but I think the best approach and a reason I wanted to make the blend was just to kind of hit everything. Or for example, they did studies on magnesium amino acid chelate, which we have in ours, and they found that it was really protective of DNA and dramatically could actually increase RNA folding and prevent RNA degradation. But again, I don't know if it's just because they chose to study that with that type. So yeah, any thoughts on any of that? I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding in the ergogenic aid industry. And I'm going to say this purely as a clinician. I I do find that there's value in supplementation, but not enough people do the due diligence. Like one of the things I really respect about Melanie is how detail oriented you are to really like look at the literature and see what would be most beneficial and find other products that you liked, but you want to improve upon them. You know, from my perspective, there were specific formulations that we used, but I don't even think at the time I recognized that not only are most ergogenic aids not regulated, so you don't always know what you're truly getting. So, you know, working with a really high quality supplement company is a number one important, but then also really understanding what does your body need? Or if you aren't comfortable figuring out what it is that your body needs, working with someone to help you better understand what your unique needs are, and then finding a supplement that will meet those needs. I agree so much. And we could go on a whole tangent. Actually, if you want to learn more about the whole supplement industry and the testing and the quality and all of that, check out the first episode Scott and I did because we went down the rabbit hole talking about all of it. So yes. And Scott, what were your thoughts? Yeah. So my thoughts are a couple of things. I do think that each form does have subtle differences for two, for two reasons. The first is that it, whatever amino acid or organic molecule or, or even inorganic molecule that it's a, that the magnesium is bound to, it gets cleaved at different parts in the metabolism. And then that amino acid has its own effects on the body. So the magnesium then also has varying degrees of solubility and bioavailability, plus the, the amino acid or organic or inorganic salt attached to that magnesium also plays a role in how it's going to be, how it's going to affect your body. So I do think that the different forms make a difference. And that's why I like this sort of, let me get a global approach to have all of the the core magnesium in there, but in the in the proper order, right? And what is that proper order? Well, what is being absorbed the most? What are the most absorbable forms? What are the most bioavailable forms? 
And then there is a separate issue of which magnesiums have the most elemental magnesium. This gets a little complex. Stop me, Melanie, if I get too far down the rabbit hole on this one. But for example, magnesium oxide is used because it contains the most elemental magnesium per gram. 60% of magnesium oxide is elemental oxide or, or elemental magnesium. The issue, though, is that it's very insoluble, and so therefore its bioavailability is very low. So what you want is a a product that has sort of that perfect in-between world, and that's where things like glycinate and citrate really kind of shine. Even even chloride kind of shines, even though it's not necessarily the best. But that's where these sort of shine where they have a very high magnesium content, they're highly soluble, and they're highly bioavailable. And for with glycine, for example, we know that that also works to help calm your nervous system, help calm your gut lining. So glycine as an amino acid, or glycine as the amino acid, really helps make that magnesium better in terms of its absorption, but also the amino acid itself helps sort of with some of the things magnesium does, i.e. kind of calming you down, creating GABA in the brain. So yeah, I think there is a big difference, and that is across the board of both the content, the solubility, and the bioavailability, and then what does that specific amino acid and or organic or inorganic complex salt attached to magnesium do for your body? Two thoughts to that. One, Scott and I went down the rabbit hole. How many hours do you think we spent trying to find the answer to this question? So basically what I was pondering was that process of, for example, magnesium being complex with an amino acid. Does that mean that when you take it in, because we wouldn't say that magnesium breaks the fast, but then I was thinking, oh, well, if it's complex with amino acid and then that is broken down and then we receive the amino acid, would that actually be, quote, breaking the fast? And so Scott and I spent hours trying to find the literature on the actual metabolism of magnesium amino acid chelate, for example. I think where we landed was, it's hard to know, but just to be safe. If you want to be super safe about not, quote, breaking your fast, probably take it in your eating window. We got questions about that. So for example, Lori said, how do I take it for maximum results, fasted or non-fasted? And then Nydia said, will the magnesium affect my fasting or should I take it in my eating window? And then Tracy said, how should I take your magnesium and when should I take it into your full stomach? And so So for two reasons, I would say potentially either opening your eating window or with your eating window. One, If you're concerned about that potential fast breaking potential of the complex amino acids might be a thing. I'm not sure, but it might be a thing. And then number two, there's a lot of research on absorbing magnesium and it's actually likely more absorbable with a meal with some caveats, but high protein intake can help with absorption. The actual meal itself for two reasons. One, because of the release of stomach acid. And remember how we were talking earlier about the low pH helping with absorption. So that could be a factor. And then also when you have a meal, magnesium is absorbed throughout your entire GI tract. It's actually pretty rare. Most things we take in, they're specifically absorbed in like one part of the GI tract, but magnesium can go all the way. It can be absorbed. And so when you have food, it actually like carries it and helps with absorption all throughout the GI tract. And then this was kind of interesting to find. So sugar can actually help with absorption, but that is 
contradicted in a way because the insulin release actually is taxing to magnesium levels. So that might not be a net benefit, but MCTs can actually help with magnesium absorption. Our Avalon X Magnesium 8 is formulated with a very tiny amount of MCTs as the, okay, Scott, make sure I use the right terminology as the what? <laughs> the filler or the lubricant? That is the lubricant. The lubricant. It, so it's, it's very minimal, but likely also helps with the absorption. But going back to the food, so taking it with food can likely help absorption. So I would suggest either to open your eating window or with your eating window. That was a lot. Any thoughts about the taking of it? Either of you? I think you you nailed it. I, I think definitely you want to take it with food if you can, because you're going to get a better absorption of the magnesium. Also because there is a potential, and I think it's very minimal that it could break your fast. There are amino acids in there. So it, it could technically break your fast. So I think for both that reason and the fact that you're going to get more absorption, I would take it with a meal. Great. And then also something I wanted to point out because we're talking about the way it's absorbed and I was talking about the different benefits of the different ones. So magnesium threonate, Lucianne said, does the mag threonate that you've made... so? To clarify, we're launching a separate magnesium three and eight nightcap, and I'll talk about why we're doing that. So she said, is that a separate product only to help with sleep, or do we need to buy both it and the magnesium eight to get all of the benefits? So the thing about the magnesium three and eight is it is a special type of magnesium that is specifically created to cross the blood brain barrier. So the majority of magnesiums do not cross the blood-brain barrier. Magnesium 3 and 8 does. And so it can have pretty profound relaxation effects and stress relief effects and helping induce sleep. So originally we were going to include it in our blend, but after looking into it more, and Scott can actually talk a little bit to this a little bit in more detail, but we decided to create it separate so people could use it individually if they specifically wanted that, you know, that sleep inducing effect, that relaxation. Scott, do you have thoughts about the amount that was required to make it effective? Yeah, absolutely. So, so three to eight is a, is a magnesium I've been taking for quite a long time. And not only does it help with sleep and stress and anxiety, but there are studies that have shown, and, and there is one human study that's been published, I believe in a peer-reviewed journal, and I'll, I'll try to find that article for you, Melanie, where magnesium 3 at 1.5 to 2 grams per day actually showed a reduction in the age of the brain and had a substantial improvement in cognitive ability and also showed an increase in cerebral magnesium within the cerebral fluid. So there is something specific about magnesium threonate in the brain and the brain health that is very different. Now, going back to this magnesium elemental content, meaning how much actual elemental content is there in each form. So oxide has the highest, it's 60%, but yet it's insoluble, so you don't really, di- you don't really absorb it that well. Whereas glycinate, for example, has a 10% elemental content and it's very soluble and it's highly absorbed. So you're going to get more from a glycinate than you would otherwise. Three and eight is one of the lowest. It's close to 7%, meaning 
you need a full gram of magnesium threonate to get 70 milligrams of that into your brain or to cross that brain blood barrier. So when we first thought about putting it into your magnesium eight, we could not get to the therapeutic doses. You would literally need to have taken six capsules to get there. So it just didn't make sense to incorporate a subtherapeutic dose of L3 and 8 in that formula. To answer the second part of that question, do you need it to sleep? No, there are many people that take one magnesium and they sleep great and they feel great. But if you're looking for that extra sort of mind focus, and this is where you had asked me earlier, are there other magnesiums you want to launch in the future? Absolutely. There are things, you know, combined with 3 and 8, a 3 and 8 alone, the one you're launching, which is a 3 and 8 solo product for sleep and for anxiety and potentially for other things with the brain. You don't need to have it, but for those of you looking for that brain-specific effect, I would highly recommend it because I've been taking that magnesium 3 and 8 along with uh, magnesium taurate, which is a blend, for, for a long time, like five years probably but it wasn't preventing my cramps. So it was helping my brain, it was helping my heart, but my muscle cramps weren't going away. My energy levels weren't higher. So that's where the magnesium eight comes in. It helps with that physical muscle cramps, my, phys- my physical workouts, I have more energy, I feel better, I feel fuller, just more energetic in general. But then the three is the one that gives me that brain power. So I, I'm gonna take both, but you don't need to take both. It's really what you feel you need in your in your life. One last thought to that. Since most people are likely deficient, like I would definitely take the magnesium eight to address like the deficiency issue. And then if you are looking for that specific benefit of the three and eight, then I would get the three and eight, which I'm very excited about launching. So stay tuned for that. I want you to think through your day. What are the pain points? So we had a few questions about taking magnesium with other supplements. I'll just read some of these. Andrea says, does magnesium work well alone or should it be taken with other supplements for maximum benefit? Kim wanted to know, does magnesium affect the absorption of other meds and or supplements? She says she's currently taking meds for hypothyroidism and recently read that she shouldn't take it with magnesium. Angie said, She wanted to know if iron was affected. She said, I saw in a running blog not to take magnesium and iron together. So I'd love to have this answered. And Kim also said, does she need to eliminate iron? So I know, Cynthia, you had some thoughts about the hypothyroidism meds and magnesium. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Magnesium is a cofactor for healthy thyroid production. So in addition to magnesium, things like iodine, selenium, also iron are all very important. And so I don't think someone should be fearful that magnesium is going to be harmful, especially if you already have an underactive or autoimmune thyroid issue. In fact, because I have an autoimmune thyroid issue, I'm very proactive about repletion of my magnesium. You know, and it's interesting when I was looking at the literature, because I saw some of these questions ahead of time, I started thinking about the fact that there are other types of supplements, and maybe this is something we can talk about in a subsequent podcast, there are other types of supplements that may be beneficial for thyroid function, specifically things like L-carnitine and myo-inositol and melatonin and resveratrol. Some of them have some decent studies, others do not, but I would not be fearful about repletion with magnesium if you have a thyroid health issue. You do, however, want to make sure that you take your magnesium separate from your 
Cytomel, Synthroid, Nature Thyroid, whatever type of thyroid medication you're taking, you really want to take that in a fasted state with an empty stomach and then not be taking supplements at the same time because that could be non-beneficial, of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for looking into that. The iron thing. So this is really interesting. And I already told Cynthia this, so she's going to hear this story twice. I wanted to look into this iron issue. And so there's not like a lot of literature saying that there is an issue with iron and magnesium. There's one study and it was a case study. So it was one person. It was an anorexic Asian woman who was 28 years old and was using high amounts of magnesium as a laxative. They found in the study that the high use of her laxatives with magnesium was potentially causing and or exacerbating her anemia. And that when she stopped the magnesium laxatives, her hemoglobin went up. And then when she started back on them again, because she did, her hemoglobin dropped again. And what's interesting is like, so that's like the the study I could find saying that it was a problem. And there's a lot of studies that reference that study. I wouldn't take away from that, that we shouldn't take magnesium and iron together. And even in that study, they say that magnesium and iron can be taken safely together. So that's an extreme example. In general, it should be fine taking iron and magnesium together. And if anything, and this kind of relates to what Cynthia just said, if anything, magnesium levels are actually pretty important for proper iron use and not having anemia. So that's something to consider. We got a really interesting question from Kathleen, and I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but she said that her OB said she could keep taking her magnesium until her third trimester, but then it could delay labor. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, yeah. I mean, we know that magnesium has the potential for being a smooth muscle relaxant, which is why we use it with asthmatics and and people like that. You know, magnesium sulfate is something that is used to treat eclampsia or preeclampsia. That's when women have abnormally high blood pressure during pregnancy. They get swelling in their legs. It can be quite serious because I'm not an OB and I don't know Catherine's history. I think that she should follow along with whatever has been recommended to her. I take pregnant women pretty seriously when, when they're asking questions, I always defer back to their obstetrician or gynecologist I think it's reasonable to follow the recommendations based on on pregnancy. I think that's completely reasonable. With that being said, yeah, that's interesting. Well, also with the whole concerns things, and maybe this is something we can end with, we had questions about taking either too little or too much. So Judy wanted to know, can we take a half dose of your magnesium eight and still see effects? And then Alyssa said, how do you know if you are taking too much? And Lori said, is too much toxic in any way? So unlike things like if you take too much potassium, which can be life-threatening, you take too much salt, that can be life-threatening. Magnesium, you take too much of it, you will get loose stools. It is self-limiting, which means if you take too much, you'll get some loose stools. You'll say to yourself, oh, I took too much magnesium. You will stop. Your magnesium levels will come back down your stools will harden up and it goes away. So it's pretty benign. I myself have had instances where I'm trying new products and I clue myself in and I'm like, okay, I had too much in that product and this is the the side effect. So generally not a dangerous thing. Magnesium is very forgiving. And so for that reason, it's one of my favorite things to replace you know, electrolytes with because it tends to be pretty user-friendly. And so if you get loose stools, you might just need to back down on your dose or take it less frequently. 
That, that is literally the exact the moment you know you took too much. You're like, oh, I took too much. Mm-hmm. And for people who do struggle with slow motility and constipation, it can be a game changer on that front. So, I mean, earlier we were talking about, you know, effects that you can see and because I have a lot of IBS and digestive issues. And so taking magnesium is so, so helpful for me with motility. I am just, I'm honestly so grateful when I think about magnesium and What's really funny, and I think I, I probably told, might have told both of you this before, but when I recently had a colonoscopy, my GI doc was asking me, because I was telling her how I struggle with slow motility, and she was asking, what do I do for that? And I said, well, I take magnesium. She was a conventional doctor, and she was really nice and you know great with the procedure, but she was like, oh, well, you shouldn't be doing that because you should be taking um, Miralax. Oh, Miralax is garbage. She was saying, you really need to be taking Miralax. And I was like, well, the magnesium works though. And she's like, yeah, well, it hasn't been studied for that. Like you should not be taking that. And I was, oh. <laughs> you know, you know what I could tell you that Miralax is designed to only be used for four weeks. What are most people doing that are taking Miralax? They're taking it for their entire life. And so that to me speaks to someone that is not current in the research. I was humored by how many of my elderly patients were on Miralax And I remember asking a colleague, I was like, is this benign? And then so I went down a rabbit hole and looked at all the research and said, this is a self-limiting drug, meaning it's designed to be used for a short period of time. But what we do is we don't find the root cause of the constipation. We treat it with a drug that, you know, ends up being hypermobile medication Instead of, is it the medication, another medication? Is it because their bowel is lazy? Are they a diabetic that now has a lazy bowel? Do they have a tumor? I mean, there's so many things that it could be. So to me, I would much rather take magnesium than take a drug that is not designed to be used chronically and habitually. Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs 
out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher and it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now, for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter Enter your name and email address and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right now back to our show. It was such a moment because I was like, but the magnesium has all these health benefits. There's not an issue to overtaking it. It helps me like, what is the problem here? So there is that. For Judy's question about taking half a dose and seeing the effects, of course, you can try half a dose and see how it works for you. We are we did formulate it to help people get the recommended daily intake. So we would recommend taking the recommended dose on the bottle. But it really, it's always you know an end of one situation. So finding what works for you is key. And I did warn you, Cynthia, to, to not take five of our magnesiums like you do with the melatonin because it, it'll have catastrophic consequences. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm very like magnesium. I'm very comfortable with, but uh, for anyone that's listening, MD Logic has very effective melatonin. And, and because I've been taking another manufacturer's product and been taking 18 milligrams, I thought oh, I'll just take three. I could barely wake up. So I can now get by with one. It's very efficacious, but yes, you know, Melanie's product is formulated to be very effective. And I'm actually starting it tonight. I'm going to be excited to be able to share it on social media and talk about it and obviously support my my co-host. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been absolutely incredible. We got into so many topics and we had even more questions that we didn't get to. So if listeners have more questions, definitely feel free to submit them and we can answer them throughout other episodes. I'd love to hear people's feedback on trying the Avalon X Magnesium 8. Feel free to post pictures and all the things. I love seeing those. If you would like testimonials feature on the website. So if you would like to be on the website, let us know. We can put that up there. And discounts and codes for everybody because we love those things. So you can get 
Avalon X Magnesium 8, as well as my Serpeptase at avalonx.us. You can use the coupon code Melanie Avalon or the coupon code Cynthia. Either of those will get you 10% off. And then you can also shop at MD Logic. Any of their supplements, you can also use the coupon codes Cynthia or Melanie Avalon to get 10% off site-wide there as well. So definitely stay tuned for more developments. I have a whole line of supplements that Scott and I want to make together. And then like I hinted at at the beginning, hopefully things will be manifesting with Cynthia and Scott. And so just speaking for me personally, I am just so, so grateful that Scott came into my life. And if you want to hear the whole story again, check out the first episode that we did, but we didn't anticipate in our first call that we would end up where we are right now doing this, but it has been, I was waiting, basically long story short, I always knew I wanted to make my own versions of supplements and I wanted them to be the very best that I could make. I didn't have the time or capacity or actually desire to actually, you know, find the facilities, do the production, do the ordering, the shipping logistics. And Scott came into my life and not only could he do all of that, but he is like, he's like me with, with really caring about the science and what's happening and the quality and the purity and the potency. And so it's just been a dream relationship and I'm really excited for the future. I'm excited that we're all friends, me, Scott and Cynthia. So Scott and Cynthia, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. Either of you have any last thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I'm super excited. You know how much I like magnesium. So any way I can help support you, my friend, I'm super excited about continued collaborations with Scott and looking forward to getting my creatine out there later this summer, early fall. I am so excited about your creatine. So so am I, because I end up taking all of the supplements we create together. (laughs) I think that's what makes this such a great team is is everyone really cares about the quality at the end of the day and about the customer, clients, and fans that we have. And uh, we're going to make sure we always do right by them. And I think you summed it up great today, Melanie, both at the beginning and the end, is you wanted the best of the best, and that's what we're doing. We're creating the best of the best products. We're taking all the best things from all the best products and making them even better. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for listeners, the full show notes and the transcript. There'll be two links for that. You can go to either ifpodcast.com slash episode 276, or you can go to ifpodcast.com slash magnesium. And again, the coupon codes Cynthia and Melanie Avalon will get you 10% off site-wide at both avalonx.us and at mdlogichealth.com. And stay tuned for future developments. And we'll have to do some more episodes, the three of us, with future product launches. Thank you guys so much. And I will talk to both of you very soon. Sounds great. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.